Separation anxiety occurs in infants and toddlers as they mature. The symptoms include constant worrying that a parent will die or not return, or that something bad will happen. Most of us outgrow this by age three or so, or do we? In my experience, the feeling that something bad is about to happen isn't limited to just toddlers. In fact, manipulating our anxious tendencies seems to be the business model driving algorithms that power our news feeds. If it bleeds, it leads, is an old saying in journalism. Today's reading from Matthew will provoke anxiety in anyone who takes it to heart. Jesus says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations and he will separate people one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. The separation described here is the final differentiation of the human race into the saved and the damned, the sheep and the goats. This is a vision of the final fulfillment of the Bible's first prophecy, which is found in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. Here we read God speaking to the man, And he says, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. Here we read that God divides mankind into two. The whole Bible can be read as the story of the development of these two races of men, the seed of the serpent and the seed of the woman. For a time, indeed, for much of human history, these two races grow side by side. They develop together. They intermarry, often with disastrous results. Now in today's Gospel reading, Jesus tells us how the final separation will occur. It will be an ethical separation. Both sides, sheep and goats, recognize and call Jesus Lord. In Matthew 25, verse 37 and 44, they ask, Lord, when did we? The decisive factor which determines whether they enter the kingdom or go away into eternal punishment is not whether they say Jesus is Lord, but whether they were doers of Christ's word and not just listeners who pay lip service. Jesus says to the one group, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. And to the other group, he says, truly I say to you, as you did not do it. To one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. This past week, I read an interesting article describing how imperial Romans became more stupid as the empire advanced and more intelligent as they became Christian and the empire gave way to Christendom. According to the article, the Roman cognitive decline had three causes. A decline in fertility and family formation among the upper classes, An increase in female hypergamy, which is another way of saying marrying above your station or marrying up. And finally, an increase in the slave population, particularly of foreign-born slaves. On the other hand, early Christian Europe saw a reboot in cognitive abilities because the Christians did two things. They favored monogamy, which limited the number of sexual partners a person had, and they brought peace, order, and stability to society, which allowed entrepreneurial individuals to flourish. If we're serious about following the science, then we should follow the science into monogamy. 
But we don't need the DNA analysis to tell us that when we have the word of God. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, we read, Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. It's no accident that Jesus gathers the nations before his judgment seat. The nations that become doers of the word will find themselves standing on the right side of the throne, while the nations that ignore, pervert, or twist the word of God will find themselves standing on the left. The righteous ask Jesus a question. They ask, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? There is humility in these questions, if not genuine ignorance. Elsewhere, Jesus has, said, has told his followers, So you also, when you have done all that you were commanded, say, We are unworthy servants who have only done what was our duty. It is the Christian duty to perform the corporal works of mercy, to feed, give drink, clothe, welcome, visit, and to do it all without being asked. The reward is peace and prosperity, as the later Romans discovered. In the same way, Jesus, seeing our need, humbles himself to serve us and to meet us in our hunger, thirst, despair, sickness, nakedness, and loneliness. The nations that imitate Christ in his humility will find that they make the cut. They will be counted among the sheep. They never need be anxious about separation again. Ezekiel writes in today's reading, For thus saith the Lord God, I will seek that which was lost and bring again that which was driven away, and will bind up that which was broken, and will strengthen that which was sick. But I will destroy the fat and the strong. I will feed them with judgment. Rome succumbed to fatness and brutality. America is on a similar path today. We can expect God to feed us with his judgment. It won't be pleasant. But we also know that God actively seeks us, we who are lost. He drives us away only to bring us back. He breaks us so that he may bind us up. He makes us sick on the filth of our sins, only to restore us to strength. The nations have not yet been gathered before the throne of Christ the King. We live in the time between the two advents of Christ. There is still time. Let us not waste it. Amen.